Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a nutrition and exercise uh, professor, and I'm a bodybuilder. Hello, people. Robert Fortress Fortney here, former editor at Muscle Mega International, um, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter, and legitimately so now. That's right. Absolutely. In fact, we're going to talk about Rob's competition. We're going to do quite a bit of gym talk today. Phil's not with us. He's busy. He's got a business venture going with uh, uh, Wendler. Jim Wendler. Oh. And, and he's just really wrapped up in that right now. He was going to try to pull double duty, but, you know, we're not going to pressure him to do that. He's really busy. So I thought maybe he was roping cattle or something. Yeah, well, he's prone to, you know, uh, fiddling with livestock in various ways. So, Yikes. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't sound good, does it? Yeah, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> um, yeah, before before we kind of get into this, I do want to say that I did notice that I, I certainly had some support, support from uh, some of our listeners and uh, Iron Radio friends. Wasn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah, and and, and uh, I yeah I, I genuinely do appreciate it. It's always nice when uh, you know you got some Iron Brothers at your back, man. It helps the uh, gives you some tailwind going into the freaking uh, competition. So thank you. It is yeah, it's fun. I mean, when we first started this in uh, January of two thousand nine, this podcast, I think you would have been lucky to get one reply. And it's nice to have enough critical mass of the Iron Brotherhood, you know, to yeah people coming out and genuinely pulling for you and impressed with your poundages and. Very, very cool stuff. Yeah, and, you know, we want to lend support, too, to any of our, uh, you know, iron-rated friends that are, you know, uh, whether you're competing or not, or you're, you're just going for a personal thing and shooting for something, you know, let us know um, in, by the various ways. Email me, go on our Facebook page, whatever, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to kind of, con- like I said, to consider it kind of like our own little brotherhood, you know what I mean? And uh, whether it's, you know, 10 people or 20,000 people, it's, it's, it's cool, so... It is. I had a young man in my office just the other day. He just kind of plopped in. He said, I'm going to do a powerlifting meet. And I said, you know, we were just talking about that on Iron Radio. He said, you know, I listen to Iron Radio sometimes. And he was actually asking, how do I prepare? You know, like, how do I ramp up for this? I said, you know, we were just talking about, you know, Rob sort of did a classic linear periodization where he cut the volume over several weeks as he upped the intensity. And, you know, I gave the guy some pointers. I said, now I myself have not competed in powerlifting. I mean, maybe one day I will. Uh, but, you know, most of what I know is from talking to all my friends who are, are basically powerlifters. You know, I don't have a lot of friends who are presently bodybuilders. A couple of... Uh, Which is actually interesting when you think about it, because, I mean, your history, as I know it, because I've known you a long time, um, is, you you know, you're, you come, you're like me. You, you were surrounded in the murk of bodybuilding, you know, during all those uh, formative years, just like I was. And it's interesting yeah. to hear you say now that you know, more of the people that you, you know, actually happen to communicate with regarding weight training now are, are more powerlifting, which is, it's a kind of an interesting shift, which well, is actually which yeah. is actually an interesting thing that it will segue for us later on into our topic of the day. But that's actually, that's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and you know what? I think a lot of this was the bodybuilders who I do talk to by and large are, they're sort of the blue collar or hardcore types not that they're you know not educated but you know that you know like the type at like bodybuilders gym there in akron ohio where sure, the yeah. guys are just very no nonsense they're all about strength and mass even if they're bodybuilders they don't have that sort of i don't know some in some gyms bodybuilders almost have this sort of uh, reputation of being the flighty ones or the the vain ones or you know i'm talking about bodybuilders who wear flannel shirts and and uh work boots into the gym you know yeah, what man, i mean the, not the people who, who prance around in tights yeah the the, the uh, bodybuilders who would be represented by like a ronnie coleman type yeah and, yeah and and make no mistake most powerlifters certainly any powerlifter that has an inkling of a clue um beyond just being ignorant towards anything outside of just the narrow realm of powerlifting he or she will definitely tell you that it's not bodybuilding itself is certainly not you know uh, cause for you know these pure strength athletes to look down upon because I mean like I said I anybody worth his salt will know that there I mean bodybuilding training when it's done hardcore 
you know, to the hilt with that, by somebody who's knowledgeable and, and consistent, dedicated, and and again, um, you know, kind of have that has that old school motivation, you know, towards actually, you know, performance um, signify, you know, the, 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 a physique that signifies, you know, performance. Uh, and that, I mean, that's that's worthy of a lot of respect. I mean, well, look at guys like Dorian Yates. A lot of the people I did value guys like Zane, you know, but also. Guys like Dorian Yates, I'm not really built that way, but I think by appreciating those kinds of physiques, it's made me much thicker than Mother Nature wanted me to be. You know, so uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm also, all just on, on a side note, not to take us off too much, but I mean, certainly this whole thing with uh, you know people using oil and bodybuilding and stuff in synthol or whatever the heck this stuff is. I mean, it's got out out of hand. I don't know, Lon, if you've seen recently photos from a lot of a lot of bodybuilders, seemingly from like you know like. Um, Dubai and those types of places too. I mean, there. I'll send you some photos. There is some shocking photos. I mean, the whole Greg Valentine Valentino thing has with the silicon injection. Yeah, yeah. It, it has just now uh, you know erupted into some absolutely freakish, and, and I mean this in a bad way. I mean, usually saying freaky and bodybuilding is a good thing, but this way I don't mean it to be positive. No, it's I mean, false it, it's, advertising. It's it's inexcusable. You know, well, there that's was a recent video um, that I saw. You can find it on YouTube. I can't remember. And this looks to be only maybe a you know regional city or at best state level at best competitive bodybuilding competition. I suppose it's in the states. And they're standing there doing a double biceps or rear double biceps. And the guy on the far left side, uh, stage right for him, his you could see his deltoid actually start leaking oil. Oh, you mentioned that. I yeah, think, and in this a recent guy, episode. this guy. I mean, I'm. I'm I'm guessing this guy is like, you know, maybe 19, 21. Didn't you say he just shook his head and walked off stage in embarrassment? Yeah, which really is a damn shame. But Yeah, yeah. how sad. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember once, years and years ago, this um, this lady came into uh, where a lot of my friends and I were hanging out, and she was sort of uh, pinching on us and everything. You know, this is just the way, you know, sometimes uh, – I don't know, girls are coming out of the apartment or whatever. She's like, this is fake. This is all fake. I, and, you know, my brother ran over and picked her up over his head. And he said, not fake, you know, and <laughs> something right. along those lines. And, you know, but a guy on, you know, who's full of synthol, he's not going to do that. He's just going to squirt oil down his back, sadly. You know, so that's what I mean about false advertising. So Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I want to share one thing before we talk about your contest because I just – I just uh, made this i don't talk about nutrition a ton as far as like what i'm making in the kitchen but i wanted to share this this is a super fast recipe this is man food and i'm going to tell everybody how fast you can make this nice i just made a meat pie right so when i was in england i was loving the meat pies over there so uh you go to the store you buy two um refrigerated pie crusts a can of beef stew a can of beef chunks just to up the protein content and that's pretty much it. You smash a <laughs> you smash a pie crust, you know, down into like a, a round, uh, you know, cake pan type thing. Uh, dump in the stew and the beef chunks. Pinch on the other pie crust. Throw it in the oven for uh, a one hour at 400. It browns up. It's almost instantaneous. It's fantastic for weight gain. You know, because uh, you know, good pie crust actually has a little bit of lard in it. It's flaky. It's delicious. It's heavy. But this is the kind of stuff, you know, when we talk yeah. about heavy weights and heavy food, that is heavy food. That is not junk fruit food like donuts, but, you know, in any way. So that's going to be our recipe of the you know month, what? I that think. Is, you know, I, I just actually ate about an hour ago, and I'm, all, I'm, I'm starting to kind of get salivating here. From the, oh, I, it, I'm going to do that. I'm doing that, man. Dude, it smells so good. The whole house smelled like meat pie. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Go, go score yourself. Yeah, I mean, what? It's it's a little box of pie crust. It's a can of beef stew, can of beef chunks. Done. You know, uh, an hour later, you could be eating meat pie like a man. So there you are. Yeah, man. And and just to t- just to make it that much better, you can put aliens on or something while you're eating it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, very nice. All right, so let's talk about your competition. So sure. we um we we did contest tales back when I competed in the spring. So how about you? Uh, first, you know, t- what's your overall impression, and then do you have any kind of specific stories or anything like that? It went pretty much as well as I had hoped it would. There, there was a couple potential uh, disasters that I uh, sidestepped um, that I believe was probably just down to my experience and discipline. Um, 
And I mean, I, I went in there hoping for it. Again, I haven't competed for several years now. Uh, so I, I, as um, you and our listeners probably know, I've said it many times, I was looking at this just to kind of re-introduce you know, my, you know, get my feet wet again. Um, so I wasn't looking to go crazy. I, I wanted what I thought was a pretty reasonable 725 raw. Um, and I ended up doing a 1702. So um, I'm very happy with it. There was a couple surprises that we can talk about a little bit. Um, a couple awakenings in me about some things that I might not have had too much uh, belief in myself over. I mean, it was it was a good a good experience as as these things usually are. So certainly, if you prepare, if you prepare, um, <laughs> you know, in a disciplined manner, they usually are good experiences. So. Right. so I know you shared it online, but run down your what were your numbers in the individual list? Um, six fifty, four hundred two, six fifty. Boom. So and um, just to go through them, it was very interesting. I, I opened with a, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a five seventy five squad or something like that, and got it. Um, then I went out. I immediately went up to six fifty, and I went down and. <laughs> You know, this is this is this is one of those things. That, like we were talking before, uh, you know, about goober moves. I don't know what happened, but I, I mean, I totally like just lost my balance and <laughs> fell forward with the weight, almost killed myself. <laughs> That's so funny. Man. Yeah, I know. It's just it's just goofy. It was it's just anyway. So then I, I came. Well, off. let me let me interject something there because I I know the guy that was with you said the same thing. I think the fact that you you know you pitch forward. And you, and you kept your focus, and you stayed tight, you stayed strong, and you went back out and did it right. Well, that, that is more impressive to me than the numbers alone. Well, that's the whole thing. When I walked off, the guy that was helping me he said, "You know, you just want what do you want to do?" And I said, "You know, I came here for six fifty, and that was a total goober bullshit move of nerves or whatever." Um, I had my ten-year-old loose's crap uh, squat suit on. I think the, the, the shoulder straps, because I never train with this thing, and I never certainly never have the straps up, and I think that threw me off, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just walked off. I said, you know what? I came for 650, and there's no way I shouldn't be able to get that, because the weight itself, it wasn't a question of the weight being heavy. That's the stupid thing. Um, I, I guess it was just nerves or something. I don't know. So I said, no, 650 again. So I came out on my third, and I, I absolutely decimated 650. It was easy as hell. Um, I got some. I do have video. Somebody has video. So when when he gives it to me, I'll maybe give it to you so you can maybe put it up somewhere. But yeah, it was on our YouTube page. Yeah, it was easy. I mean, if I had gotten the 650 on the second, I guarantee you I would have went up to 680, 685 on my third. Um, that that's how easy it was. As it happens, though, I went in there wanting 650, so I thought, you know, well, it's my third now. You know what I mean? I, I'd rather. I I know I can do 650 if I just you know buckled down and. You know, stop going out there dicking around. <laughs> right. And I walked out and just nailed it easy. So, fantastic. Um, so that was good. And then I went for my uh, bench. I can't remember. I, I think I opened with 365 or something like that. Um, and they uh, red lighted the hell out of me because I said the guy said that he could see uh, some light under my heel <laughs> on my foot. Wow. Oh, oh, and I put the bar back on the rack before he said rack. <laughs> So I, yeah. I pressed it up, no problem, and then just put it back. But, of course, you have to wait for the command to rack it. So I got red, red lighted. Um, so I came back out, and so I said to the guy, I said, you know what, screw it, go up to four. Um, <laughs> which, 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 Hockey. It, exactly. A lot of people were like, oh, man, ballsy move. You know, you get three red lights with 365, so you put 400 on. Right. It, it ended up being 402 because of the kilogram conversion. So you invited them to suck it. Yeah, and that's what I said to the guy that was, I was helping. Just before, when I was chalking my hands, when I was on deck, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to give them any reason. I'm gonna, I'm, this is going to be like so beyond pitcher perfect. So I went out there and absolutely decimated 402 um, beautifully. <laughs> got three whites. And then I uh, went out to do my 425, which is what I want. My third, and you know, Lonnie, you can confirm with this. I'm not one to make excuses. But I'm going to tell you right now that I got completely destroyed because the guy that gave me the handoff completely screwed me over. He only lifted the bar up. He didn't, like, lift it over me. And so I had to pull the weight over myself, and it completely collapsed my arch. Yeah. And, and when I, I mean, I, it was a good run, but there was no way. It went three or four inches up, and it was like, forget it. Um, and like I say, I'm, I'm not one to make excuses. No, and you know what, Rob, because that's essentially your max – um, I can see you recovering from a bad liftoff at 4:05, but you know you get up oh, around yeah. four and a quarter. Yeah, yeah. You don't have. There's no room to play around with numbskulls there. No, and, and and just to prove the point that I'm not trying to make excuses, this this should say a lot. When I walked off the stage, 
um, the judge on that side kind of halted me a little bit as I was walking off, and he said to me, and I'm, I quote, he said, at your next meet, make sure you tell the guy to give you a better handoff, because that was a bullshit handoff. Wait, one of the judges, judge the said, judge said that. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Uh, well, he's acknowledging, you know, that, yeah, that, that wasn't entirely your fault then. Yeah. Oh, and not, oh, one before I get to the deadlift, one more funny story. When I came out for my first squat, of course, for those who don't know, you you have different meetings before the meet. One of them is to determine that you know the bar height for your squats and um, if the squat racks, if you want the racks in or out, depending on where your hand spacing is. Um, and to that point, I I absolutely told the guy in. I want the rack in because I like to hold out towards the collars. Do you write that down anywhere, or is it just verbal? No, I told the guy, and I, I watched him, watched him write it down on the piece of oh, paper. Oh, boy. Like, I watched him write it on the paper, because he was sitting where I stood, and I could see him doing it. Um, anyway, when I came out for my first squat, bar is loaded, I walked out, and sure enough, they hadn't pulled the racks in. And the time now is already going, because as soon as I say bar is loaded, the, the, the 60 seconds starts dropping down on the counter, right? Yes. And I walked out, and I was like, I, I want the racks in. And the head judge is like, no, no, too late now. You got to just go with it. I'm like, this is complete horseshit. Anyway, I did the rep. Later on, around the time of the deadlifts, the head when there was a, a lull in the action, I think between the squat and the deadlift, the, the head judge came to me backstage, and I said, you know what? You guys were the guys, the guys who screwed that up, eh? And he says, you know what? I looked at and we did. And I said, well, I told you. Oh, I, I didn't hear you tell me that part. No, oh. I, I don't think I told you that. I had less than half of my index finger on the bar. That's how bad it was when I did that first rep. Wow. I was basically balancing, you know, pushing towards 600 pounds on my back <laughs> with with uh. half finger because they, 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 they screwed up the rack. And I could, well, it's a good thing you're an experienced lifter. Yeah, so anyway, so yeah. Anyway, moving on to the deadlift. Now, this is the one. Um, deadlift has always been kind of something, and, and I take full blame for it. I've kind of allowed myself over the years to believe that I'm just not built very well for deadlift. Yeah. Um, as it turned, I was very nervous about going for a 650. Um, everything, the numbers, the percentages, my performance over the last year indicated that that shouldn't be a problem. But you still kind of, you know, it, it really does prove that when you're an athlete or, or anything in life, I suppose, you're psychological, you can psychologically build your own cage. You know, and I really, that was the thing that was tricky. I came out, which is funny, because I, I, when I train with deadlifts, I have this weird thing where I only do one or two sets, well, three or four sets, um, and then go to my heaviest weight. And so I, I'll honestly go from 225 to, you know, 500, 600 pounds, no problem. So I thought, you know what, I'll, I'm just going to do it like that, right? And everybody thought it was insane, because everybody's, you know, warming up 135, 225, 315, 405. I just, <laughs> this is funny. This is literally what I did for my warm-up for deadlift. I, I did five reps with 135. I did five reps with 225, and then I went and pulled my, pulled my first deadlift, which was 550. I looked at that as just being another warm-up. Yeah. And yeah. then on my second, I put 650 on, <laughs> and I, it was so easy, it was ridiculous, and I got three red lights. Oh. And so I put it down, I'm thinking, okay, something really is wrong here, because I listen, I, you know, I, 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 the commands I listened to, everything, the lift was easy. I thought, what the hell? So when I was walking off, I was like, what's going on? And a bunch of people, when I, right when I walked off the stage, said, you hitched it at the top. And I said, no, I didn't. I know what hitching is. And I, it was easy. He says, they said, no, you flexed your traps, and it looked like you hitched it. And I was like, but I didn't. You know what I mean? Like, it was just one of those things where maybe it's a bodybuilding thing. That's what I was thinking. Maybe it's a because bodybuilding, you're trained to kind of, like, flex everything in a certain way. And I and but apparently they said no. I mean, make sure that you just keep your shoulders slack. Can you explain that for listeners? Well, what do you mean by hitch? Um, Tradition, like like in the classic sense, hitching is when you're deadlifting and you kind of like almost semi rest the bar. Um, I you know one to several times on your thighs as you're coming up. So you're kind of like setting it kind of on on you know on a leveraged thigh and you're kind of like. Um, cranking it up, like, then you go up a couple inches on your thigh and then kind of, you know, okay. shrug it up a little bit more versus just one clean motion. Um, it's kind of hard to describe right. speaking. But anyway. So it almost it almost insinuates uh, uh, you were looking for a little rest or respite or... Well, at the top, like I said, but my whole thing was I'm always conscious of the fact that I, don't, I never want to get dinged because, I, you know, you're supposed to top, set out the top with your shoulders rolled over, right? Like not 
shrug forward. And Iho was just like, okay, well, and so, but again, it had nothing to do with the weight being too heavy, because like I said, the weight came up remarkably easy for me. I was actually shocked how light it felt Mm -hmm. um, through the whole motion, right to the top. So again, I guess what what some people might call it, you know, I walked off and Pete, my buddy who was helping me, was like, what do you want to go for? I said, screw it. I came here for 650. Go for 650 again. Like it was... Mm -hmm. And this is another thing. I would have gone much heavier if I had got that 650 in a second because I would have known that I had gotten what I went to the contest for. So I, there would have been nothing to lose if I failed with like 685, you know, 7 on the third. But as it was, I wanted a 650. So I thought, screw it. Okay, last lift of the day, third attempt, go for 650 again. And same thing as when I came out for my 402 bench. I said to the, Pete right when I was chalking my hands, I said, this is going to be the most unbelievable pristine, pretty deadlift anybody's ever seen. So I walked down. Oh, and by the way, I had less than five minutes between my second and third attempt with the same weight, 650. Oh, boy, Um, So I I went up there, and I pulled it, again, as easy as I did the first time, but I just, all I did was make sure, in my mind, because I said, make sure you keep your shoulders slack as you're pulling it through the top. And I just kept my shoulders slapped, yanked it up like it was nothing, and got three whites. So (laughs) there you go. Anyway, so yeah, it's um, it, like I was saying earlier in the in, in the podcast, the the awakening for me was the was the deadlift and and my realization that um, I really truly believe I could have pulled seven hundred that day. So next year, I certainly plan to go well over seven hundred. Um, That's a big number. Yeah, and so, but just as a kind of a um, parting. Uh, thought about the whole experience you know it was a it was a well-run uh meet it was in one of the uh, conference kind of ballrooms in a hotel in st Catharines, ontario canada um it was put together well uh, organized well it was a good group of people everybody i think did quite well um and i got a lot of tips from people and uh you know a lot of, i made a few friends and exchanged some emails and um there was certainly about a dozen women or so and they were all you know right in there uh you know, serious and ready for business. So, yeah. um, and, and, you know, I really do like the brotherhood that, that does seem to um, exist in the sport. So you felt a lot of support, people cheering for your lifts and whatnot? And absolutely, you know, and everybody was, uh, you know, very uh, polite. And, uh, you know, we had, you know, two two stations for warm-ups backstage. And everybody, uh, nobody, nobody was fighting over time to get under. Everybody always knew who was, you know, closer to going up. And, and it, it was it was just really well done. You know, even down to little things that you probably don't even think about, but such as um, they put a huge tray of chopped up pieces of uh, orange in, in the in the uh, in the warm up room. And it doesn't seem like much, but you know, um, your mouth gets real dry when you're nervous, and you're, and it's just nice to, you know, go over there between, you know, whatever, and you just grab a slice and bite into it, you know, and it, it kind of juices up your mouth a little bit. And nice touch for the, yeah. I've yeah, always it, liked that sort of thing, even in bodybuilding shows. That if the promoters do something nice, like, you know, when I competed, they they gave a coupon, everybody could go to an after contest party and, and get a free dessert, or yeah, like little things like you said, the oranges. These aren't real expensive things, but they help. They help the whole thing go smoothly. They kind of show that sense of a well thought out, you know, uh, promotion and contest. You know, make the whole brotherhood just work better. Yeah, and I mean, every competitor got a bag, and we, you know, we got uh, you know some, you know, just a few little trinkets in there, and you know, drinks and protein bar, and a, you know, a, a souvenir shirt for the for the meet that day, which was real nice, a real nice touch. And oh, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, I, I walked away with a. Like I said, I wanted a 17.25. I got a 17.02. I got first place and best lifter, Masters men. So, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm happy as heck, and I, I can't wait, actually, to uh, compete again. And like I was telling you, Lonnie, I, uh, I certainly hope to maybe hit at least probably two, two a year from now on out uh, before mm-hmm. I, you know, quote-unquote retire from competing. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm certainly expecting to go well over 1,800 pounds next year. Um, I'd like to go over, hit around 19 or over the following year, and then I'm giving myself two or three years to go well over 2,000. So, um, yeah. So by the that's, time I'm 50, yeah, by the time I'm 50, I should be retired with a an elite total. <laughs> with all, with all, nutty totals, raw and clean. Yeah, if all go well. So, that's um, cool. so you know, yeah. by comparison, 
uh, I was just going to say, I, I actually, for the first time ever, you'd be, you would have been proud of me. I had fun deadlifting earlier in the week. Uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes things just come together for you, and you could try to put everything together, the whole biopsychosocial thing. And But, of course, that's one of the interesting things about strength sports is, you know, there's never a guarantee. There's so many variables that go into it. But So, you know, I started warming up. And, again, people will laugh because my numbers are so low, but I have never really spent any time deadlifting before. And, you know, 275, boom, 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 315, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, so – I went up to 365, pulled it up up and down five times, and you know I've never done that before. I mean, that's again, that sounds funny to you, but no, it doesn't sound uh, funny at all. But it's, it's... it was it was fun. I mean, I was really digging on it. And you know, yeah. today I went into lift, and I remember we had a recent conversation about when you have a really good deadlift day to pull the energy right out of you, and you you don't seem to recover for your other lifts quite as well. And today I I, I resorted to basically just punching the clock with my squats because you know they just weren't floating up and down at the beginning. Later in the workout, I think I really activated my nervous system and they, they started going up and down pretty smooth. But, you know, uh, yeah, so I decided what I'm going to try to do is build my volume to uh, a respectable extent. So basically what I want to do is be able to do uh, four sets of four, you know, so somewhere around a 90% range, but do four sets of four with like 250 in the bench, do four sets of four with 365 in the squat and do four sets of four with 365 right. in the dead. Now, let me ask you, well, let me the ask whole you idea of building volume in a moderately heavy range. Sure. And once I get there, you know what? I, and I mean own those numbers. You know, those aren't real big numbers. I shaved about 20% off because I want to own those numbers. And once I get to that point, you know what? I may actually even consider a power meet just for fun. I mean, I'm not going to do like you and Phil, you know, uh, that level of competition because I'm just not built for it, but oh, it, it's fun. And Absolutely. once I once I build that up, I mean, my ultimate goal after about a year would be five sets of five with four hundred five in the squat, you know, uh, two seventy five or maybe two ninety five in the bench, and then four hundred five in the dead, you know. And when I'm doing five sets of five with those numbers, I'm happy with that. So yeah. Now let me ask you a question: Are you using straps in your deads? Uh, I. I managed not to not to for the first two sets. Okay, let, let me. Bars, let me I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, but the bar starts falling out of no, my. No, 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 no. That's that's fine. Let me and and this goes for the rest of our and and I'm again I'm I'm coming from a place where I've kind of been reawakened to a deadlifting for the last year and a half. So I'm making this a suggestion not only to you but to our lifters out uh, other listeners out there. You know what? Ditch the straps, and I'll tell you why I think that's a good idea. Not only because it develops strength evenly through your grip and through your back, it does seem to help you connect. And when I say connect, I don't mean in the literal sense. I mean collect in the mental sense better with the weight that you're pulling off the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly find that big time. Um, if you're having trouble touching the bar, you know, holding on to the bar, just work up over a period of you know of two or three months in poundage, and I guarantee your grip will come up. Find the deepest knurled bar in your gym, the one that almost like cuts your hands, Yeah. and use chalk. Chalk yeah. is the... <laughs> I, 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 I absolutely love th- th- that there's an existence of chalk, because I don't, as you know, I don't actually have particularly large hands. I have strong hands, but... Not large hands, so right, and that and and my hands are small too, and that does feel like a detriment because you just can't wrap a meaty paw all the way around a barbell. Yes, but you know what? And that used to be an issue with as a bodybuilder for 15 years. That used to be an issue with me when I started. But you know what? It's interesting now that I used to for the first six months that I really went at it. You know, I struggled with it. But the interesting thing now is, I absolutely do not even think about my grip anymore. I mean, I can pull from the rack well over 700 pounds without, and, and I don't even feel it. Like, it's it's like, so if you have chalk, I really urge you and our listeners to, to ditch, and again, if you can't double overhand it, which most people can't, certainly when you get really, you know, very few of us are Brad Gillingham, you know, have hands the size of a, you know, a, a frying pan, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and can double overhand, you know, 800 pounds, um, Certainly, I can't do that. For those who can't, alternate grip: one hand, one palm forward, the other palm underhand. Yeah, right. And another. Well, you know, thing these I- are all nuances that I'm thinking about too, because bench pressing, 
I was never good at, you know, and I'm working on really pristine form with all these things, too. I have people watch me from the side, you know. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm a sort of natural when it comes to squatting, but benching and deadlifting are, I, I'm trying to find a groove. You know, I, I want to own these things with picture perfect form. And it's amazing, even in the bench, but bench and dead both. Um, these are things that I'm really almost relearning as a, a novice power lifter. You know, it's, they're different animals. And I know everybody would say, well, of course, you know, I mean, you can't, you know, flare your elbows in the bench and, you know, that kind of stuff. But when it, I get in that groove, it's a different lift and it feels really good. So, you know, I'm going to have fun with it and just build, you know, toward those five sets of five with some, you know, moderately heavy weights and just own it with perfect form. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, and another tip I want to give people is when you're when you're using alternate grip, I really strongly believe that you shouldn't, You everybody always has a favorite way to turn their hands um, and the way that they feel that they're strongest and it feels most natural. I urge people to do at least your warm-ups with your weak, the way your hands are weak, and then when you get to your you know top one or two sets with your top weight, then use your strong alternate grip. Okay, yeah. Only because I really firmly believe you should always be striving to be you know proportioned in development, and not and and I would just think that if you always pull in one you know if one palm under one palm over in the same way. I mean, however slight that might, you know, adapt in your, you know, muscularly or whatever, I, I think that, you know, in the long term, you'd be better off having, you know, proportion development both with both ways. So a way I usually say it is all your warm-ups then use the weak way, and then for your top sets, use your strong way. That way you're getting, you know, you're working from both angles. So Yeah, that's good advice. You know, it's, it reminds me of how people would say, you know, don't sling your backpack full of books on the same shoulder all the time, you know, strap it across both or alternate shoulders or Absolutely. just so you like, like, and I know what you're getting at, just even development. So you don't end up yeah. with some kind of imbalance. Absolutely. So, yeah. So like I say, but beyond anything, like I say, there's, there's a certain satisfaction in deadlifting a big weight and not using wrist straps. There really is. And like I say, there is a mental connection that I certainly find that occurs when you actually are just holding on to it and you're not wrapping. I, well, I can see that because you know, your grip, is really seems to like activate your nervous system. I mean, the reverse of this would be true with like, I've seen people do, uh, and I've done progressive muscle relaxation. And one of the first things you try to do is squeeze your hands and then relax them, you know, kind of tell your brain, right, hey, right. relax. And when you're squeezing yeah. optimally, that's just going to ignite your nervous system, I would think. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I again, like even for you, Lonnie, I would, I would suggest it. And I don't think you'll probably have a hit with your pound as much as you might have a little bit. But um, if you well, if you, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow your advice for the first. Like I said, I'm trying to work up. I was able to do three sets, you know, before I was sort of dropping it, and I didn't want to not stimulate my back. Maybe that's the bodybuilder in me, you know, because the bottom line is I wasn't able to complete five sets of five, you know, or four sets of four with the weights I wanted to without dropping it essentially. So the lifts weren't happening, but I still have a little bit of that bodybuilder mentality that. You know, I'm out to stimulate some growth in my back and make the movement very strong. So, yeah, in the last set or two, I I, I just I, I I dug out the straps. And so. for the, and for those out there, obviously there's there's another way you can do this if you're not using straps and you want to have a more firm grip. It's called a hook grip. Um, but I have found that hook grips are one are good for people who two things have reasonably long fingers, big hands. Mm-hmm. And people who really don't mind hellacious pain. Yeah, um, we talked about yeah, that. Um, I actually tried the hook grip when I was still fiddling about a couple of years ago, trying to figure. I've out. actually, I even tried it, Robbie. I was crushing my little thumb, crushing yeah. it. And for people who don't know, it's basically you wrapping your thumb. It's double overhand, but you're you're basically trying to wrap your four fingers over the bar enough that they're then the two, probably the you know the index finger and the one beside is wrapping over the top of your thumb. As if your thumb was part of the bar, right? right. And it, um, and like I say, if you don't have long fingers, um, I, I'm sure it doesn't feel good even for people with long fingers. But if you have sh- short fingers, like I essentially do, and you try that, you will be amazed at the just beyond excruciating pain when you're pulling anything that's. Oh, free. it's like thumb screws, old medieval torture. Yeah, you know? it, it's it, you literally feel like you're going to pull your thumb off. Um, so again, I, I would urge people there to experiment with a hook grip. 
Um, and again, I'm sure you can just Google it or look online, or I'm sure on YouTube you could see people demonstrating it, but, um, and see if it works for you. Um, and like I say, it, it, only you will know what kind of tolerance you have, but certainly if you're pulling three or four plates or more and it feels to the point where literally you think you might be doing injurious damage <laughs> to your... Right, then to, back uh, off. Yeah, because yeah. like, again, I mean, we, we all have to suffer discomfort, but there's a point where you're just like, you know what, this is... this is absolutely not going to lend itself to any sort of longevity for me lifting. No, so, right. That's good advice. Um, yeah, you, I mean, sacrifice to, to get a lift is one thing, but personal damage that you're not going to recover from, you know, you're going to end up with bone spurs or fractures or something. Yeah, not a good idea. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, as we all know, weight training to get anywhere is a long, long lifetime, decades-long endeavor. So if you're doing something that's going to, you know, only – you know, reap any sort of benefit for a year, and then you're going to have to have like thumb surgery. It's it's kind of right. it's kind of pointless. So yeah, and there's one other thing I wanted to say too is I was sort of playing with uh, sumo versus you know more standard uh, lifts. There's some guys in the gym that are experienced, and you know, like I said, I'll have them watch me from the side and whatnot. But um, and uh, I, I mentioned this before a couple of weeks ago, but I really like the sumo. Um, sometimes I just go up and I pull standard, and that feels good. Um, but, because, you know, I have a fair amount of flexibility and I have a lot of like meat through my adductors and hamstrings and, and my my ass, you know, so I just it, it really feels powerful to pull it up like that. So I've been playing with uh, variations of the grip on the sumo and whatnot, too. Well, t- well, there's two things. First of all, it's called conventional. Yeah, not standard. Um, and, and OK. People who are listening, conventional is when you're pulling it with your hands on the outside of your knees, legs, um, reasonably narrow stance, obviously. Um because obviously, if you have a wide stance and you're, you know, also doing conventional, you're you're making the the, the lift more difficult because there's more distance to travel. Because if your arms are not straight down and they're starting to go wider, it's shortening the distance between, you know, your. So, I don't know if people understand that, but anyway. And the other way, of course, is sumo, which Lonnie is discussing, which is where you take a. a quite wide stance and you're um, you know you're, you're really opening up your hips in the squat position and then you have your hands very narrow in between your legs so um, right and I, I, I actually and found I, that not I, I was originally doing it with my grip too narrow and I would widen it out closer to my knees you know okay. and when I when I'm doing this too I'm not going sometimes I see some of these guys going so wide in their stance it almost looks absurd yeah and, and I'm not really doing that either well, the thing is this, and, and the reason why sumo might work for you is because you are very flexible in that way, um, where I am not. Um, I'm flexible enough, but I certainly am not. Like you're, You have a high degree of flexibility like that. The thing also is that if you can get away with doing it like that, you can. Um, it, it actually might play seriously to your advantage because most sumo lifters in general have so much less distance to pull the bar. Because um, if you could imagine, you know, again, you're very wide, so you're getting very low. Um, so by the time you see, it's like it's like an extremely wide squat, right? Again, your your squat stroke is much less the wider you go. Right, and you know that's important for me because I don't have long arms. Right. You know? So, but but again, the weird thing is, and so of course the natural question from people, why, would, why does everybody do sumo then? If, if it's um, well, the question is again, most a lot, I should say most, a lot of people just can't open up their hips and in, in, in that in that kind of flexible way. I certainly can't um, without a lot of pain. Um, I I can do it if I warm up literally for about an hour doing it, but. It still feels very awkward for me. Um, so well, I'm no expert, that's for sure. It's fun to experiment, though, you know, because yeah, it, it is very comfortable for me. Yeah, and that that's that's basically the. Geez, I'm starting to really usurp your own line here. The take home message. That's that's yeah. that's a total Lonnie quote. But yeah, it is. I, but, I say that in the classroom. But, so if you don't, it, you know, I'm, I'm attributing it to Lonnie. But yes, the take home message here, people, is really experiment, play around with it, learn to have fun with it, and when you start zeroing in on the way that you like to do things, the style and, and the setup and how you want to format everything, your hands, your grip. Once you get to a point where you comfort- start becoming more comfortable with it, then you start knuckling down on it. You know what I mean? Then you give your, because you obviously you can't keep changing it constantly, but certainly, yeah, that's you know, good. Yeah. certainly take a couple months, three months, whatever it is at, you know, whatever, at whatever level experience that you have and really play around with it. One week, dick around with your feet, Toes out, toes in. And you know uh, what? This is this is what makes it an adventure for me. After 
25 or more years in the gym, you know, these are, like I said, the lifts that I'm doing, they're different lifts. When I bench press, it's, you know, I could start cheating and go bodybuilder style and actually start moving more weight, you know, which, but that's not what I want to do. I want to keep, make the form foremost, you know, even though I'm trying variations, but stick to the, the groove, you know, try to do it like a power lifter and all these nuances and variations that we're discussing is exactly why this is fresh for me. So, I mean, listeners, yeah. if you're, if you've been lifting for a long time and you're sort of spinning your wheels, you're like, you know, I don't think I'm going to compete in bodybuilding or anything. Uh, or if you're older, you want to, yeah, I, I'm changing gears. Just do I have high level competitive aspirations? No, I don't. But you know what? I'm going to be damn proud when next summer I'm pulling five by five, you know, 400 plus pounds. Yeah, and in most you know of my what? Lifts. It really does. And I, and I, and I'll say this to you, Lonnie, and I, I, I absolutely mean it. I think, you know, you betray for so long. People say, oh, you know, after that much time, there's no, there's no more really, you know, growth to be had. First of all, that's utter and total bullshit. And second of all, um, certainly when you're in a situation like you are, where you have been trained for so long and you have so much experience, but you really have not explored fully, if at all, um, you know, consistent, regular, progressive deadlift training. For a guy like you, this could open up a whole new room of growth, strength. Growth. I'm actually hoping. You know yeah. what, Rob? I figure by the time that I can do, you know, five sets of five with, you know, let's say 315 in the bench, maybe, I don't know, maybe. Um, or, you know, 405 or four and a quarter in the squat, something similar in the dead. I'm guessing just by natural growth of moving that much poundage for that much volume, I'll probably weigh 210 or something. It's and, you know, absolutely I absolutely inevitable. It's so absolutely I think I'm going to gain probably, you know, five to 10 pounds just by being able to do this. Well, what is the common thing that I say to you all the time? I'm sure our Iron Radio listeners are probably sick of me saying this, but how many times over the years I've had so many people say, you lift a lot because you're big. And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm big because I lift a lot. Reverse and it. that yeah. is absolutely 100% legitimate. I was 130 pounds when I started lifting. And 26, <laughs> li- 130 pounds. I was just a tiny fortress. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. More like a hut. <laughs> and 26 years later, of, and you know as well as I do, I've never stopped training. I've taken a week layoff here and there, but I've never stopped training. 26 years later, I have always done compound movements. I've always gone you know, heavy, whatever heavy was at that given moment. And I always tell people, I, you know, I'm big because I lift heavy. So when you're saying if, it's one of those things where you know you use the argument if 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 you know lifter A is squatting 225 for 10 with this perfect form this year, and you know a year from now he's squatting 275 for 10 the exact same form, it's inconceivable that that person physically will not, you know, the visual be a couple pounds heavier, you know, and his body will not take on you know, a different look to accommodate that. It's absolutely impossible for, so for people out there who think that, you know, no, absolutely. You can always, always have new avenues to explore if you're just willing to move out of your comfort zone. And, comfort well, and, zone and swallow your pride ways. a little, right? Because oh, I'll yeah. Tell you, like, I can grip, you know, I, I routinely, and I mean, I'm not super strong. The powerlifters who listen will probably laugh, but I routinely can, I mean, I put the whole stack on, 250, 300 pounds, like on seated cable rows. I never have any problem with my grip. So why is the deadlift a problem? Well, because well, I haven't done it. Saying. You know, or I could grab 120-pound dumbbells, boom, 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 in like in a dumbbell press, you know, like bench press. So why does my my yeah. barbell bench suck so bad? I haven't done it. And this you is know? another thing that uh, that I once heard from somebody. I can't remember who it was, and I'm I'm sorry if this person hears me saying this and <laughs> but a decade or so ago, I remember somebody writing into one of the magazines I worked at or something, and the question was, you know, <clears throat> how do I, you know, what kind of exercise should I do for my grip to improve grip strength? And and I had given this guy advice that I read from somebody else saying, you know, all these things that you can do, wrist curls and all this stuff, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But this person said, and I totally have come to understand that this is absolutely the best advice you can give to somebody like that is, he said, grab everything in the gym with your grip and squeeze the hell out of it. And over time, you will have a grip. And you know what? I do no specific grip work. I just, like I said, I, about a year and a half ago, I, I just cut the crap 
and I just, you know, <laughs> lost my wrist straps, and I, I just, you know, really started progressing and just gripping the hell out of the thing. And you know what? Like I said, and I can hold on to anything now. <laughs> and it's, well, I'll tell you what, Rob. I, I, we're gonna we need to get to our, our topic of the day, but I load and unload forty five pound plates two at a time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, that's the kind of stuff that you know just sort of helps. You know, I, well, that's the kind of thing exactly what I mean. You know, like always, like people you hear see dumbbells being sitting around after people use them. You know what? Pick them up and put them back on the rack. If not because you're a nice guy and because you should, you should always put your weights away, which you should. For the other plus is just that you're, again, you're working your grip. Yeah. Work your grip whenever you have a chance to hold on to something, and don't just grab what with with whatever you need. Grab with everything you got. You pick up an eighty pound dumbbell. Squeeze a thing like they're a two hundred pound dumbbells. Squeeze the living shit out of them, and you know it's it's like that with everything. And it's amazing how quickly you'll be like things that you have trouble holding on to. Six months, a year from now, you'll be holding on to things that are hundreds of pounds more, and you'll be like, "Wow, I don't even think about it anymore." Good advice. So yeah, grip the hell out of everything in sight, except for your girlfriend's hand. She'll probably slap you. But anyway, there, there you go. Okay, well, on to the topic of the day. What I want to do is. Uh, Rob and I were just toying with this idea before we started recording, and that's, um, you know, resistance training and, you know, lifts as their own end. Um, I know Rob has some thoughts on this, and I can tell you from an academic perspective, uh, there's a lot to consider here. So I want to just go to break very briefly, and we'll come back for a sort of a short topic of the day. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Alrighty, we're back. The topic of the day is about strength and resistance training as its own end. Um, and I wanted to share a few things academically that I think have spilled into strength sports, uh, strength coaching. Uh, there's a huge growth, of course, of resistance training. Even in the 90s, uh, back when I was a grad student, I was always singled out as, oh, Lonnie's, you know, he's got the, the, the low aerobic capacity. And I, I fussed about this on air before. Uh, but since then, of course, I think, you know, throughout the 90s and certainly throughout the early 2000s, the growth of the National Strength and Conditioning Association, the NSCA, um, has been enormous. And I think it's because of the realization that resistance training augments other sports, whether it's injury prevention because of the, you know, the strength around a joint or uh, just being more powerful and everything you do is more submaximal, you know, in a sport from vo volleyball to basketball to certainly football, um, you know, pick a sport. Resistance training is part of everything. Um, and I think, ironically, though, that very growth, that explosive growth of resistance training uh, and getting away from the old notion like back in the 70s that it would slow you down, you know, make you stiff or inflexible or slow or whatever, um, that very growth in a way has, you know, taken us away a little bit from the purity of the fun of just strength for its own end, you know, or, or may, are doing these movements to become a technician um, as an event in itself, yeah. right? 
Right. So. Yeah, um that's why I was saying much much earlier in the show how you know something that I was making reference to Lonnie and how you were saying you know more people today that you associate with in the realm of weight training are more powerlifting types than the, you know than your origins in weight training which was mostly bodybuilding and certainly that that's the case with me with me as well. Yeah. Um that was what I was saying about the segue to our topic of the day but yeah because I mean um but you know, back back when I started, you know, the whole and certainly years before that, you know, when you're certainly going to the 70s and certainly the 60s and so forth, there seemed to be a you know the, the whole idea of a muscle man was that he engaged he or she usually back then it was mostly men he engaged in an activity that was only for the sole purpose of building big bulky muscles that were really only good for maybe you know um, you know doing freak circus strongman acts. Um, you know, and then certainly as it morphed out through this, you know, through the eighties and nineties, it became more in, you know, a, a point where bodybuilding kind of reached its zenith where more visual, yeah, maybe, where yeah. most gyms, you know, not necessarily health clubs, but gyms were populated by, you know, usually young men who were very interested in, in perhaps even if they never actually arrived on a bodybuilding stage, certainly had, you know, it, thoughts in their mind that they would maybe like to compete me, Mr. Olympia or whatever. And. They were lifting for that purpose. But they and, also liked being strong. You know, you were talking about uh, synthol and oil tricking down, trickling down people's delts and stuff. Now I, I'm afraid that more and more young men, and, you know, I don't think it's, it's as bad with the young women, but they're so about the aesthetics that I'm not sure they even care how strong they are. And right. I've, even, even some pro bodybuilders have made comments like that, right. you know. And I think that's sort of sad because I think even in the in the throughout let's say you know the eighties let's say even mid late eighties when you and I were very young and impressionable and getting into things, um, I wanted to be huge, but I don't think at any point I would have said I don't care how much I squat. I mean those words burn my tongue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think nowadays I don't think I don't think as many uh, young people care. Well, I think the ones who only do care. And this is kind of the irony, I think. The ones that do care today are the ones who, again, as we're saying this topic, are the ones who view the weight train itself as the means to the end, the way to improve the other activity that they actually are, you know, compete with. Um, you know, so it's, that's just a, another um, avenue of training to better, you know, their sport. Because certainly their sport can't be something like, you know, <laughs> lifting weights or anything. Well, and make no mistake, a lot of strength coaches, I, I, I sometimes I see almost a lack of hypertrophy focus. They're so into oh, quickness fast. and agility drills and all these other things. And I can appreciate that it's probably more important for, I can think, different positions in football, for example, to do power cleans, you know, than to do slow, heavy squats necessarily, you know. Um, not that the squat has to be slow. It certainly doesn't. But you get the point that, you know, I'm, it's not always about hypertrophy, which is something I've always loved because that's where you see a lot of the nutrition connection, you know, tons of energy and building blocks, amino acids and calories, you know, to, to, to get huge. I mean, I've had coaches, head coaches, football coaches come and say, Lonnie, you know, we're not a big enough school. We can't recruit 300-pound linemen. We can recruit 230-pound linemen. Can you make them 300 pounds? And I'm said, I, I would say, well, give me a couple of years. You know, we got to – you know, the heavy weight will do a lot, like we were just discussing. You know, if they keep moving more and more weight for more and more volume, they're going to be bigger dudes, and especially when you're, you know, flooding the meat pies in. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, but that's always been my interest, and I think a lot of strength coaching, and God bless them, but, you know, they're just into the explosiveness or agility or a lot of the other things that other athletes need. Um, and I can appreciate all those things as aspects of a sport-specific fitness. You know, but again, uh, the brutal strength and size, that's always going to be my love. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, like I say, the unfortunate thing again is I think, you know, the, the relatively smaller segment of you know, young men mostly who are going to actually pursue, you know, weight training with the hopes of actually being a bodybuilder. And when I say being a bodybuilder, I mean certainly, you know, a competitive, you know, person gets on stage. Um you know, they, they, a lot of them do seem to be less apt to really give a crap about the performance, which I think is very sad. You know, so it seems the ones who are really, you know, gunning for performance with weight in, in the weight, weight training way 
are the ones who are less apt to be look, view the weight training itself as the activity. You know what I mean? Whereas something else is, and I, and I think that's very unfortunate. But I think there certainly will always be, um, you know, certainly, and I can't count myself as you know one of the young bucks now, but there, I think there always will be those guys who do place a certain emphasis on, you know, not being all show no go. And and I think for the health of um, you know, the phys- physical culture, I think that needs to be certainly, you know, um, um, pushed and promoted and, uh, you know, and shown to be something that that is worthwhile developing because um, in so many different ways, um, even if, again, as a competitive bodybuilder, you're not competing, actually doing anything other than just flexing, um, certainly there is to people who have a good eye, um, you can see the difference in a physique when you see a physique that has been built through, you know, hard, like you, know, like you were saying earlier, blue collar, you know, getting it out work versus somebody who's all blown up on, you know, on drugs and, and you know, high, you know, light volume and muscle pumping and synthol and all this. Right. Kind of or sometimes even the guys and this sounds funny coming from me, but, you know, they they overemphasize the most recent scientific development or something and not yeah. put it in perspective. And again, you know, that's huge. And, and I'm a, I hate when people say that's not real world. That's just science. Well, science's goal is to study the real world, is to, you know, explore the natural world. But, uh, you know, you got to you, you bring it into perspective. You incorporate that into your experiences. Mm. You know, no study is going to tell me how good it feels to pull 405 off the ground or, or 450 or whatever, five sets of five, you know, uh, that's going to be a, a subjective thing that I've got to, you know, and I can weave the science into it, uh, nutrition, the, you know, training, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, the strength sports themselves, I think you're right. There's always going to be the, uh, the guys coming up that value that physical culture. I like that old school concept of physical culture. Absolutely. It, and because there are so many things we've discussed on this show, it, it can, it's the individual journey, the lone warrior kind of journey. Uh, and not that you can't have training partners. Of course you can. But, you know, you go to the gym when you're ready, you know, not when your team meets, like if you're on a volleyball team or other team and that kind of thing. And I think in a lot of ways it lends itself to lifelong journey, whereas if you're in a college sport, um, you know, not everybody continues their college sport after their college years. But – Stuff like bodybuilding and powerlifting are certainly a hybrid, you know, uh, power bodybuilding, which is what I always liked. And although I'm learning new movements, you know, the the outlook is exactly the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, these are lifelong things, and I think that's one of the big advantages. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting too to see kind of like certainly again I, I I've made reference to this many times on the show, but if you look at like a mixed martial arts and so forth which is probably, for young men, what bodybuilding was probably like in the 80s kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I mean, you know, good or bad, that it, it, you know, kind of young guys want to go towards something that's aggressive and very masculine. So, you know, these these pursuits are very masculine and manly. Um, you know, and, and I think once people, it was one of those things where, you know, conditioning has been kind of taken to its absolute pinnacle, as it is, certainly as it exists today. Um, in like UFC and these type of thing, I mean, some of these athletes are just extraordinary cardio machines. Um, and I think the next, the ne- you know, and they've kind of tapped out, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> they've <laughs> right. kind of tapped out the whole idea of, you know, you know um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu being the kind of like, you know, the cream of the crop versus, you know, um, ground game, as it, they call it, and, you know, in striking, you know, Western-style pugilistic boxing, you know, for stand-up striking. Um, I think that, and, you know, and the cardio being taken you know, to the nth degree, I think the next, the next um, wave of is getting just bigger and stronger. And, I mean, because if you look at all the ranks of, of you know, the, the, the top, you know, uh, certainly the, the, the most popular and, and competitive um, weight classes in, in, in that kind of avenue, you're looking at guys who are, you know, 175, you know, up to 205. There's not a whole lot of dudes that are stepping out as heavyweights who are like, you know, like a Brock Lesnar, like, you know, 250, 260, 270. Um, it's not very heavily contested because there's not a lot of guys who have put in that kind of time to get to that size and certainly to hold on to it, certainly when you're doing that kind of activity. But I think that's going to be the new plateau is people like, you know what? We've maxed out our, our, our cardio performance. We've maxed, right. you know, we've, Skill. we've taken yeah. out the tech, we've taken the technical thing to the, to the, like I said, the nth degree, what left it, what is there left? Well, 
just be a freaking beast of strength because like it or lump it. I know a lot of people always say, oh, yeah, strength means nothing in fighting. Horse crap. And anybody will tell you, well, I mean, why is there weight class if that wasn't the case? I'll tell well, you. Well, you and I both have martial arts experience, and let's face it, we've said it a hundred times. Strength and size are cards you stack in your deck, right? Just like a new technique or a, a skill, it, a bigger, stronger man is going to defeat a smaller, equally skilled man often. Maybe not every time, but often. Yeah, so it's cer- it's just like self-defense. They're cards stacked in your deck. It, it's lar- it, I mean, it, there's always the, that, you know, um, lucky blow and stuff, but usually some guy, I don't care who you are, if you're 165 pounds, you're not taking down a 350-pound power lifter. I'm, you know, like I said, unless you kick him in the balls or pulls eyes out. Um, but like I said, going right to my point, you know, like I say, like the mixed martial arts, that, that type of thing is kind of like what bodybuilding was to young men in the 80s. And I think that it's going to be very interesting to see, uh, because of what I'm saying, where what I think, what I'm predicting the trend will be as far as, you know, what avenue to push in that, if that actually does or does not bring, at, at least partially, um, a spot, spotlight back a little bit onto you know what what you were referring to er, earlier is that kind of that westernized kind of hypertrophy type training um, that you that we saw more. Well, I'd of. love to see MMA as a recruiting grounds for people into the pure strength and size sports. You know, powerlifting, bodybuilding. I'd love to see sort of that sort of uh, uh, you know reversal. How many how many times do you hear stories where people they get into bodybuilding? or even powerlifting because they were lifting during rehab or for right. football or for another sport. So I, hopefully that will play a role. I'm not a huge MMA fan. I mean, a lot of people you know, might be shocked at that. I know it's very popular, but I, I see one of its best uh, attributes is recruiting people into the strength and size sports, you know. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and but, you know, regardless of how you feel about these things, it will be interesting to see kind of what the trends bring. Because, I mean, <laughs> the whole nature of trends, they come and they go. Um, you know, well, I mean, will bodybuilding kind of come to a fore at, at some point or not? Has it has it kind of irrevocable, you know, you know magnifies itself now to a, such a point with the drugs and the, the, the phony baloney bullshit? That well, see, that's it. And I think I think technology has really affected bodybuilding you know oh yeah and i mean with the and i and again this is an argument that i've said many times on this show again most of our listeners are probably sick of me saying it but you know the internet itself has been the biggest plus and negative for things like bodybuilding because on the negative side if you want to look at it as negative, oh well good point no internet and i'm thinking drug technology so technology has obviously been an issue maybe bodybuilding has seen its golden era i think some of the strength sports have yet to see their golden era, you know, when, with the growing you know, popularity of stuff like Strongman or right. Highland Games or, right. you know, what have you. But in, in, in MMA is, um, you're right, it's undeniable. It is the, the king. It is the top most popular of uh, the strength-related types of things that I think a lot of, uh, you know, young guys get drawn toward looking for that rite of passage or that self-challenge, something that's very aggressive, you know, those sorts of things. You know, as a, as a parting um, kind of thought about this whole thing, to wrap it up with what I have been saying, um, you know, if I could see come to be the, you know, the trend, as it were, um, in the weight training avenue, I would like to see that be kind of a, an amalgamation of the thinking that exists not independently, you know, with bodybuilders and with powerlifters and with strong men and with, you know, like mixed martial arts fighters. I would see an, like to see an amalgamation of all those different ways of thinking into one athlete. And I'll tell you, my final thought here is, is, is the reason for Iron Radio is to do what we're discussing, you know, to bring an appreciation across the board of muscle size and strength. I'm not down on bodybuilding. I think it's fantastic to be you know, thick and strong and muscular, even visually, you know, and at the same time value the power that can be had with an engine of that size. And I think the average guy, and I know a lot of people who listen to us are, uh, they're not all, not all competitive, but, you know, they're very interested and, and deadly serious. And I think to the average American, there is few things that could be as valuable 
as embracing a physical culture kind of lifestyle because if it's independent enough that you can take the loan approach, you can lift when your schedule allows it. You know, it's, you're not locked into a team situation necessarily, although you can certainly lift in groups. I mean, I love the camaraderie of that kind of stuff. But I think a focus on strength, you know, the feel of the, the knurled bar, heavy bar in your hands, challenging yourself with new tasks. I mean, I'm not going to try to re redefine my identity with this powerlifting stuff, but it, I'm going to have an awful lot of fun. And like you said, I'll pro uh, I'm going to have a bigger back. I'm probably going to you know, look uh, different and be better off for it. And that's kind of my hope for Iron Radio. And the reason for its massive growth is because I think a lot of men and strong women, they gravitate toward this sort of stuff and they realize what it can do for yeah, and, and if you throw a few meat pies in there, you're, you're that much closer to it. That's a good close, brother. <laughs> so All right, everybody. So a, a good talk again. So, and we'll, we'll see you next time. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Okay, uh, moving on to our other announcements, we're going to do a fall contest regarding quotes. What we want you to do is go to our Iron Radio listeners page on Facebook and give us some of your favorite quotes, uh, and we'll pick our favorite. Uh, I'd love to add to our repertoire of uh, quotes like this, and you'll win something cool. We've still got some... Uh, mugs and other Iron Radio paraphernalia floating around here, and I'm happy to send you one. Uh, I think we'll run this contest probably until Thanksgiving, so uh, get online, get on Facebook, Iron Radio listeners, and make a quote. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.